0: The Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. While some people were speaking about how the temple was adorned with costly stones and votive offerings, Jesus said, All that you see here, the days will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. Then they asked him, Teacher, when will this happen? And what sign will there be when all these things are about to happen? He answered, see that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am he, and the time has come. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For such things must happen first, but will not immediately be the end. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be powerful earthquakes, famines, and plagues from place to place, and awesome sights and mighty signs will come from the sky. Before all this happens, however, they will seize you and persecute you, and they will hand you over to the synagogue and to the prisons, and they will have you led before kings and governors because of my name. I will it will lead to giving testimony. Remember, you are not to prepare defense beforehand, for I myself will give wisdom in speaking, and all your adversaries will be powerless to resist or refute. You will even be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but, Not a hair of your head will be destroyed. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. The Gospel of the Lord. There's something primordially mesmerizing about fire. I could contentedly stare at its flames for hours. Many times I have. As you know, fire has a twofold reality life and death. Maybe lost on us because we have largely domesticated fire, but it was revolutionary for early humans. Cooking food, purifying water, keeping us from freezing. It separates us from the animals. It can also destroy our habitats, our homes, and generally wreak havoc. And this twofold metaphor is in the background of our readings today. In the first reading we hear about the last judgment of God, described as a blazing fire, where the stubble of the proud and evildoers will be burned into ash, while the just and those who fear God will be purified, and they will rise, whole and healed. It's a beautiful metaphor, that God's love is a refining fire. Whatever is not of God will be burned away, whatever is of god will be left pure and brilliant like silver or gold. In the second reading, it's a follow-up letter to St. Paul's letter to the Corinthian or to the Christians living in Thessalonica. In the first letter we have, he was warning them about the last judgment of god and the imminent return of Jesus. But they understood imminent to mean by the end of the business week. And so when they thought that Jesus wasn't coming, They threw up their arms, quit their jobs, and started to collect unemployment. The letter we heard from today is part of his blistering rebuke of their nihilism and immaturity. St. Paul is reminding them that whether or not the Lord Jesus returns before they die, they will be judged by him one way or another. The gospel passage is about the judgment of God about his city, Jerusalem. And for the Jewish person living during the time of our Lord, Jerusalem was seen as the center of the world. Some even referred to it as the navel of the cosmos. How's that for a moniker? Just a few days before Jesus' body will be destroyed on Calvary, he is warning them that this temple of stone will be destroyed. This prophecy would be fulfilled in the year 70. In this judgment of God, the stone temple is turned to rubble and ash, while the temple of our blessed Lord's body rises gloriously. This old dispensation of animal sacrifices ended, and then replaced with the one and eternal sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, which is now made present to us at every mass. When we look at Christ on the cross, we see the judgment of God. And like fire, depending on the audience, there could be two very different reactions. Mockery and prideful disdain, or adoration and humble gratitude. And this is not unique to our age either, as Jesus says in the gospel, that Christians will be persecuted, handed over to jail, hated, betrayed by family, all for the sake of Christ and his teachings. Not to be overly dramatic, but I see this judgment on the rise in our own times and culture. I'd like to pull on that thread just a little bit, that thread of judgment. There are several sad ironies, I think, in our modern culture. It seems, just like yesterday, where the worst thing in the world was to be judgmental, and the best thing in the world was to be tolerant. It seems that the opposite is true today. I think few would argue that we really live in a non-judgmental and truly tolerant society, especially if you are religious. Those who are self-appointed judges, our cultural elites, may try to keep us on our toes by changing what they will tolerate from one day to the next. They keep changing flags and yard signs, not as a sign of virtue, but I think to see who will obey. And there certainly seems to be a protected class and then those who are marginalized. And we Catholic Christians, we who believe there are two genders, that marriage is one man and one woman, that one marriage exists until death do you part, that all sexual activity is reserved for marriage, that all life is sacred, we certainly seem to be on the outs. It does just seem like yesterday where people were asking just for a civil union and to be left alone. Now they're demanding that we bake them a celebratory cake or go to jail. I know people who have been banned from social media or who have even lost their jobs for pointing out truths that are in biology textbooks. Meanwhile, a young man, simply because he declares himself a woman and a potential mother, is treated as a celebrity and hero by the President of the United States. One often retorts, well, how does that affect you? Well, maybe not me as Father David, but today there is proposed legislation in Virginia to remove a child from their home if that parent insists to be the educator and formator of their own children. It certainly will affect many families if that has ever passed. How could anyone describe our time other than Orwellian with terms like gender affirming, are used to intentionally sterilize and mutilate the young and the confused, when terms like healthcare are used as euphemisms to dismember human babies. The inclusion of sexual identity into Title IX funding regulations threatens all Catholic education and healthcare, so much so that the USCCB had to write a response just a few months ago, September, and it bears quoting at length, it really summarizes what we believe as Catholics and what we don't believe. It says, the Catholic Church teaches that each person is created by God in his image. Therefore, each person has immeasurable dignity and that we should treat all accordingly. Our bodies are good and part of our identity. The complementarity of the sexes carries and reflects necessary significance whereby a husband and wife fully and freely give themselves to each other in love, open to the gift of new life. This further becomes the basis of the family, which the Church and others have often observed is the first building block of society. It goes on, with respect to gender identity, the Catholic teaching expressed through Pope Francis understands that biological sex and cultural role of sex, what we call gender, can be distinguished but not separated. Further, each human being, man and woman, should acknowledge and accept their identity, which is both biological and God-given. Respect for the immutability of sex does not mean that Catholic teaching condones unjust discrimination. In Catholic schools, for example, students who experience gender discordance are to receive the same educational opportunities as anyone else. Catholic teaching is similar in regards to sexual orientation. Individuals who experience same-sex attraction are to be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity, including in educational settings. This does not mean, however, that educators should be compelled to act contrary to the principle that sexual conduct is specifically reserved for lifelong marriage between one man and one woman, ordered by its very nature to the good of spouses in the procreation and education of children, who in turn have a right to, and on average, have the best outcomes with, a married mother and father." End quote. One not need to be Catholic to recognize the above statement. After all, this was the prevailing wisdom of virtually every single civilization until about five seconds ago. But today, in most cultural circles in America, this is reboting, called bigoted, not to be tolerated, those who hold this view are to be excommunicated, defunded, lose a job, and eventually freedom. If this homily were given in Canada or Scandinavia, I could be denounced and jailed. It's not particularly brave of me to say it this morning, but it would be brave of you to say it out there, at work, with your family, and with your friends. I know many of you already have, some at great cost, both personal and professional. To that point, I was reminded of a zinger in the catechism, quoting Vatican II, where it says, It is part of the Church's mission to pass moral judgments, even in matters related to politics, whenever the fundamental right of man and the salvation of souls require it. And you are part of this Church. It is part of your mission to pass moral judgment, even in matters related to politics, whenever the fundamental rights of man and the salvation of souls require it. These are not our personal opinions. They should not be kept private. We're not talking about matters where good Catholics can legitimately disagree, like the best way to secure the border, to welcome immigrants, or to reform justice, the justice system. And just like fire, depending on the audience, the moral judgment of God will have very different reactions. We shouldn't be too worried about the reaction. Because when we look at Christ on the cross, we see the judgment of God. And those who are filled with pride will be burned like stubble. Those who are filled with God will be purified like precious metal. But the fire of God is fundamentally good. The judgments of God are supremely good. They do not change with the wind. And we will all be judged equally God does not play favorites. He sees into the human heart, he sees our intentions, and he sees our handicaps. We are not the judge. We will be judged. But we are called to simply be messengers and emissaries. The last judgment is for God alone. And in the same breath, he has put his law into our hearts and has further clarified it in divine revelation. So there could be no doubt or confusion. God's judgment is clear, it is good, and it is purifying. We are called to share this message, to reveal the judgment of God, to let people know that nobody is perfect, that we all fall short of his standards, that his mercy is readily available. and We can either be purified by his fire now or burned up like stubble because of our pride later. There is indeed something primordially mesmerizing about fire. It carries with it this twofold reality of life and death, of purity and destruction. The fire of God's love has been given to us as a force of life. This morning, as we approach our Lord, who is truly present in this sacrament, as we approach the judgment of God made manifest in Christ on the cross this refining fire of his love. May we pray for the grace to be purified of everything that does not belong to him. May we beg mercy for all the ways that we have fallen short of his judgments and seek to be better messengers of his justice, mercy, and peace. Praised be Jesus Christ, now and forever.